Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Today is Yom Ha'atzma'ut, so Chag Sameach to all who are celebrating. There are different opinions about how to handle this holiday. Um, the interesting thing about how I schedule these radio shows, if you um, kind of follow Jew in the City and sort of follow um, my self-deprecative style, you'll know that um, I'm not the most organized person. When we had the Chaveirim guests on, I went through like a list of all the different you know ways I've locked myself out of cars and run out of gas. If you saw our challah video, at the beginning we kind of poke fun at how my daughters run the house. So like it was an exaggerated version, but like not that exaggerated. So um, when I schedule these uh, guests to come on, I'm looking to showcase different types of Orthodox Jews that we don't normally hear about in the media. So people with out-of-the-box careers, people involved in different types of chesed or kindness, you know, things that we are not reported on uh, so normally. But I don't look at the calendar to see how does this relate to, you know, what's going on in the world. So for instance, a couple months ago on a fast day, I had two women that own restaurants come on, which was crazy. Uh, last week, I didn't realize it was going to be Yom HaShoah. Thankfully, um, I did not have our um, Orthodox female comedian on that day, um, but it wasn't specifically Yom HaShoah day. Today in Yom HaTzma'ut, um, we're going to be speaking with a Hasidic woman, which is not really the best fit, but um, maybe it is the best fit. I like to try to find ways to fit things that didn't fit so well. So this is the fit that I'm going to try to squeeze in now that we're already here. Um, it's interesting, you know, not only do um, non-Orthodox Jews misunderstand Orthodox Jews, and I would say vice versa. I think there's a lot of misunderstandings that Orthodox Jews have about non-Orthodox Jews as well. Um, but I would say that we misunderstand each other between the different groups. And so um, I've been exposed, thankfully, to a lot of different groups. Um, my husband's family is Lubavitch, so I've gotten to know them pretty well. I spend a decent amount of time with people in the yeshivish community, um, different parts of the modern Orthodox community. Um, and I was just speaking to a woman over Shabbos in uh, a park nearby where we live. And she said to me she was away for a Pesach program. And um, it was, she was a little bit more with a right-wing crowd. And what she realized is that they really don't understand modern orthodoxy. They don't understand how many different flavors and shades and nuances there are. And I said completely, I said, but should I tell you something? The modern orthodox world doesn't understand all the different shades and nuances in the yeshivish world and the Labavish world and the Hasidish world and the Sephardic world. And she looked at me and she's like, they have it too. I said, 1,000%. And so it was sort of this, you know, aha moment for her. So um, the guest who's going to be joining us today has become a good friend of mine um, and has given me some more insight into the Hasidish world um, of Brooklyn. Her name is Hani Waxler. She is the founder of Bud's Events Designs. She's uh, now part of our team. She's done our All-Stars events for the last couple of years and made them completely fabulous. If you have an event need flowers done, um, Hani Waxler is the person. Hani, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Allison. <clears throat> nice to be on your show. Um, so, uh, so basically, um, Hani, you were raised um, Hasidic. You were your your whole life. You were yes, Hasidic. Yes, I was. I was brought up in Brooklyn, and I'm very lucky to have very very special parents who raised me in a very firm and open minded house home. And you know, I, I, the stuff that I want to talk to you about today, I think, unfortunately, so much of the stuff that we hear about, you know, you know, we see negative reporting about Orthodox Jews, but particularly of the Hasidic community in general. So, um, you know, on one hand, um, 
there's the fear of like whitewashing, you know, the, the disgruntled crowd will never let me whitewash. Um, they will keep reminding me, but on the other side, I think that we don't often hear about the open-minded, you know, um, kind of living peacefully with all different types of crowds. So, um, like what did, what did that look like in terms of like, how did your parents teach you to view like, you know, uh, non-Hasidic people, non-Orthodox people, non-Jewish people? Okay. So for starters, we're talking I'm talking from my own perspective, so this is just me. I'm not talking for the whole Hasidic community. So that's that's something I want to just say straight up. So if anyone, everyone that lives here obviously has different experiences, so this is just my experience. Yeah. But my family is um, very open-minded, very um, very focused on Midos. We were always like, we, my parents are very into us being very polite and nice to other people and accepting other people. Um, and our, our home was like that. We always had guests from different communities. They weren't necessarily Hasidish. So that, I don't know, I don't think that that's different. I think in general, um, people are nice just in general, but um, people here do tend to be more, I, I don't want to use the word secluded, but I would say they kind of try to stick together in, in groups. So they're hanging out with their own friends. They're hanging out with their own But types. you know what? The, the truth is that a lot of people do that. You know, like in some ways people look at the seas of black in the Haredi world, but do we ever pay attention to the seas of blue jeans? You know what I'm saying? Like Exactly, like, right. Wherever right. you go in the world, you know, I, I can be in, uh, I'm a flower designer, so I can be in the flower market in one of the shops and some guy that works there will help me. And then I'll leave and I'll come back to the same shop and I'll say, okay, did you pack up my stuff? And the guy will look at me and say, why are you asking me? I didn't see you today. And I'll be, oh my God, you're, I thought you were the guy that helped me before. It's just, pe- I think people in general see a sea of people and they don't realize that we can differentiate and each person is different. Mm-hmm. So our, our community, I mean, every single, every, there's so many groups in this community that Talking about Hasidim in general is probably not the right word to use, but we are, I mean, we are talking about Hasidim. Um, but there's all different, there's, there's so many different kinds and so many different people. And in, in, in general, I think people just want to be good and nice to each other here. They're, also, they're very tightly knit, though. Yeah. Look, I came to you for Shabbos. Um, there were all right. different types of people that came over to visit, you know, and I was wearing blue nail polish and no stockings, and I didn't get any of those looks that I unfortunately no sometimes have gotten. that you were wearing blue nail polish, so I don't think it made a statement. Right, right. No, no, it was, it was pleasantly, you know, look, unfortunately not everybody does behave correctly, um, but it was very, I, I can say that my experience in interacting at least with the people that um, you uh, are associating with your circle of friends, at least um, from one Shabbos experience, seems to be lovely, open people. Um, so that was definitely nice for me to see. Um, I want to get into some of the topics that are hitting the newspapers because our concern here at Jew in the City is how we're being perceived in the larger world. So number one, um, is that the full story? Is there more information? Number two, are there things we need to fix? Those are kind of the concerns that we have. So secular education um, we've definitely seen some stories in the news recently about Hasidic secular education not being up to snuff, you know, not uh, sort of meeting the standards of the state, um, and people, you know, kind of being bitter for what it didn't give them. So um, you have a little bit of a different experience in terms of how secular education works for your community. Right. So let me just explain one thing about the Hasidic community is that we're the people here are trying to preserve something. They're trying to live a sheltered life on purpose. They want to live that way. They want um, Judaism to be the full focus and center focal point of their life. 
So everything revolves around that. Um, they'll send their kids to a yeshiva or a school that fits their hashkafas, their, or to the crowd that they belong to, the different sects that they belong to, and they want to give their kid that chinuch. The, the problem with the education is, is that in many, I don't think this is a very big problem in the girls' school. I have heard different people have different opinions, but the girls' schools that I know um, do not have this problem. Most of the girls' schools are on a very regular um, level, have very regular, they, have, they take regents, which is the New York State test, um, and the, the girls are all, a lot of the girls go to college after school. So I don't think it's the girls that are the problem. I think that a lot of people have a problem with the boys' education. Um, they start learning how to read English after they learn how to read Hebrew, and they, that's usually not until they're five or six years old. Mm-hmm. And the girls, I know my girls started learning, like in kindergarten, they started learning the alphabet. And, you know, um, they learned it actually the same time as they learned the Hebrew alphabet. Mm-hmm. But the boys don't. The boys do Hebrew first. Um, and then I feel like, the, the Jewish studies are just way more important than the secular studies. Look, so our schools, and I would consider myself to be right-wing modern orthodox or centrist, something like that, our, our schools put our Jewish studies in the morning when the kids have, you know, the most right. focus. So we, we have a, a so similar idea of prioritizing. So, okay, so, so my question is now you've also, in terms of the numbers of college grads, you were kind of just counting off the top of your head of the people that you know. Did you say that... I would say that in my class, on my high school class, I didn't have a very big grade, but I would say that half the girls went to college. I think as the years go on, the numbers get bigger. And how, how do the boys compare? What, what's the um, ratio? Well, I, I can't say for everyone. I can say that there's different people have different opinions about this. The reason people don't want to send their children to college, in my community, not in every community, some people just feel like they, sh- they should study Torah and not move on, but some people feel like um, they should go to college, you know, in order to support their families um, and to further their education, I guess, just in general. But um, the people that are, are, are not against college, um, now I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. No problem. I'll get you back <laughs> but on. But it's okay. Well, so it's um, like- no, the people that want to send their, that will send to college, that will send their children to college, the girls will start like after high school, but the boys will wait until they're married mm-hmm. and then they'll make that decision themselves. So mm-hmm. I would say that it, it depends really on the group because even within my group, there are groups, but I think um, like with my husband's friends and his, let's say, actually my husband's brother, he has five brother, he's comes from a very large family. Five of his brothers are college graduates. In my family, my, I come from a large family too. Um, my sisters, three of my sisters' husbands are college graduates. Um, other, and, and I have another brother-in-law that started college and then he got a job that was very well-paying and he just couldn't do both at a time, so he stopped. But in general, I think... Unless they're planning on staying in Kolo for a very, very long time, which is accepted in my community, um, yeah. people will try to find a way to make a parnasa. Either they'll go to college or they'll try to find a different career path without like, going But to what college. we discussed is that it, the, your particular sect of, of Hasidus might, might be different than a bunch of the other well, ones. Well, in general, like it, it seems the, to part be of the unique. reason that people don't want to send... I, I was on this before, and that's where I lost my train of thought. Part of the reason people don't want to send their children to college is because they don't want them going to school and classes 
with people that are different than them, non-Jewish people. But just to clarify, the, this, the colleges that the people of your community are going to are, are Toro, are all like Haredi uh, colleges, um, is that correct? I can't say 100%, but a lot of them. Uh-huh. For the most part, got it. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so, so that's, I think you know, once that came into play, it gave people, people felt like they had more of an opportunity. I think that they felt like they didn't want to expose their young children that they kept so sheltered for so many years to so many outside choices. But there is, we've talked about them. I mean, there are some people that would like to see a change, that would like to see some improvements. And so there could be something that might, for, I'm saying for the boys' education to be more similar right. so to the girls. Right. Part of the problem with the boys' education is that it's not, there's not as much importance put on it. And the kids feel that. And the kids don't treat it with respect, as much respect as they treat their Hebrew studies. And sometimes mm-hmm. they actually treat it with disrespect. Mm-hmm. But I think in general, over the past year or so, I've heard, I've heard a lot of chatter about different people saying like how they're working on it. So hopefully that will change because okay. it's definitely an issue in the, in there's no reason that someone that grows up in New York in the United States shouldn't have a very proficient English and shouldn't know how to write well. And sh- I mean, obviously there's people, not everyone is great at everything, but there's no reason they shouldn't have the tools to learn how to do that. Correct. I completely agree. So maybe this actually segues into another thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is that, you know, I, I don't know if I introduced you to the term right-wing modern orthodox. You certainly introduced me to the term modern Hasidish. That was not something <laughs> that I had heard about before. Look, I think um, I think in the modern orthodox world, people are definitely familiar with left-wing modern, right-wing modern. I even heard someone say centrist modern. I'm like, what are you going to say, like three-quarters, you know, to the right so or to the left? I like, people, you know, we, but... <laughs> We, we, we like we like to divide and divide and divide ourselves, but yeah. um, if you could explain a little bit what like how you see modern Hasidish versus ultra Hasidish uh, differentiating. Well, the main thing with Hasidim is that the, the concept in Hasidim is going with Nimshur Sadin, doing more. So yeah. the more Hasidish, the more you're doing is basically the way I see it. So, Got it. Um, and then there's some people there. You know, people that live this way want to live this way for the most part. Yeah. I'm sure there are people that don't want to live this way. And um, hopefully they'll, they'll find a place that it makes them happy and where they can serve Hashem the way they want to serve Hashem. But this is the way they feel like they're serving Hashem. So that, for the most part, um, the people want to be this way. It's not... It's yeah. not I'm losing my train of thought again. <laughs> I'm just making you nervous here. We're going to tell some jokes now and get a light here. So let, let's move no, on to style. I, just, I keep losing my train uh, of thought. Sorry. Did you say well, what? What? Oh, we were talking about modern and ultra. I'm sorry. Exactly. Um, okay. So, so some people could have started off ultra and and you know kind of um, eased into a more relaxed way of being Hasidish. And so, and what, what, what keeps them Hasidish still, that they have certain Hasidish traditions, the way they dress, certain types of, they keep a higher level of kosher, or they send to a Hasidish school, like I'm saying, a, kind a of for of, those. A lot of it is about tradition. There's a lot of minhagim, and I think that it's a way of life, basically. So keeping, yes, so basically staying here, um, they follow a Rebbe, most Hasidim. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's the way it's divided, is that like yeah. people follow their Rebbe. So... You know, if you're if you're going to be doing that, then a, a shrimal doesn't make someone Hasidish. It's 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 a mentality and a way of life. But it well, does it's, because you know, that's the thing what about we see as Hasidim, is that, right? 
No, so I have friends in Lakewood that she came from a Satmar background and he came from a Litvish, yeshivish background, but he put his trimal on because fa- her father wanted him to. So like when I first met him, I was like, that guy is Hasidic if I ever, you know, saw a Hasid and then they told me they're not, they're Hamish, which was very confusing to me as that's, a Baal That's Shuvah. because people do what their fathers did. It's a very, very, yeah. it's very, very accepted here that people do what their fathers did, what their mothers did. Yeah. Um, you know, people that, there, there's, we, we, I don't have this minug, but... A lot of people Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur they'll wear um, they, they'll just usually wear a regular wig, but on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur they wear a white tichel on top of their wig. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I'll see girls that like I'm so surprised by it because they're not very Hasidish or whatever. Like for whatever reason it surprises me. And and like I actually have a sister-in-law and it's very not accepted in my community. Nobody does that actually, mm-hmm. but I have a sister-in-law that did it. And when she walked into shul with it, I'm like, what are you wearing? She's like, oh, my mother did it, my grandmother did it. So tradition is very, very important here. And right. people do what their mothers and grandmothers did. Right, right. Look, and for, you know, as we look at things like the Pew study, where, you know, so much of American Jewry um, is losing so much tradition and so much connection, um, there is something to be said about, you know, holding on to tradition and, you know, not uh, giving it away so easily. What about right. extracurricular activities? I know that your girls... Um, you know, are, you know, do some cool things and different kids in your community? Like, is, is are there different ways that kids can express themselves in terms of art? Yeah, what do your kids of, do? <laughs> what? What do your kids do? They what do it, plenty of stuff, right? No, so my kids, my kids take piano lessons and, you know, um, they have, you know, uh, paint on glass and sports. And I'm saying, like, are there any things in the community that, in modern Hasidic community that... It's kind of in, accepted. In, 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 in Hasidic community in general, it has nothing to do with modern. People have, the, the kids have a lot of extracurricular activities. Um, definitely. There's a lot of art. There's a lot of, um, for the girls, there's a lot of, lot of fitness classes, music. Um, I know quite a few. The, the thing is, is that they're sending them to a Jewish guitar yeah. teacher or a Jewish singing teacher. That's, that's, I don't know if that's how it works in different communities, but here that's pretty much what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and not the, so the boys sports, play sports, but you definitely do see, see um, I don't know if it's sports, like there's not like leagues and stuff, not too yeah. many, maybe a couple, but there's yeah. definitely kids like doing a lot of, like now that the weather's getting nice, um, my neighbor just put up a basketball um, hoop and there's yeah, yeah. kids here every day lined up around the block waiting to shoot baskets. So. That's great. No, that's fabulous. Look, because I saw, uh, you know, an article in the New York Times reporting on a different type of, class, you know, Hasidic group where well, the boys are Well, that's not only my group. This is just my neighborhood. I'm not talking about specific. I'm saying in general, you see the kids, right. you know, lining up to play sports. So I, right. I don't, and, and you see them in the park. There's yeah. a baseball field, a couple blocks from my house, and there are always kids in the park from kids in the park. Good. From that's the fabulous. So, I'm so happy to hear I, this. I, I, I'm not, I know you've told me about people that are, we're not allowed to play sports. I'm I not know. familiar with it. Um, I, don't I know. know those, look, I, 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 I think not in some ways, I I believe that it exists. I'm just not familiar with it. I, I think the interesting thing is that, you know, <clears throat> when I was a kid growing up and I saw like, you know, Hasidim on the street, I wasn't sure, you know, could I connect with them? Do we have, I'm a Jew, they're a Jew, do we have so much in common? Um, but I would read stuff in the paper and kind of learn about their life. It's just so fascinating to me that, like, you're a Hasidish woman living in Brooklyn and there's stuff in the newspaper that, like, even you're not familiar about. Um, 
but you know, I've spoken to people that had these more extreme experiences. So, um, what right. I just well, what's going to so, be in the newspaper? Not me living my boring life in Brooklyn. Something exciting and different that's going <laughs> to grab people's yeah, but, attention. You know, but you know, Connie, what I think is so important about you sharing, you know, some insight into your life. Look, when I left your house for Shabbos and I was sharing with some people from my community, you know, that you said that just counting off the top of your head, fifty percent of the girls in your class and you're in your early thirties. Um, if I can share that, um, oh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> No, but I'm saying that that uh, that 50 percent of them went to college. I was talking to someone who's like pretty high up in like a pretty big Jewish Orthodox Jewish organization. He was like, "Really? Like, that's fascinating. I had no idea." So, um, I think it's so important. Like, in some ways, it seems so you know silly to sit down and just sort of talk to you about what your life looks like. And it's not a boring life because you know it includes you in the city, so it's a fabulous. Yeah, life, that's honestly. true. I do have a fabulous life. I know, right? I know. You have, thank God you have a beautiful family. You have a wonderful business. It's true. No, no, but, but saying, beautiful families and, and people that are busy and just doing, you know, the regular things that people do are not making the news. That's why we're seeing what, who are the chassim that you're seeing in the paper, the people that are not doing either nice things or, or people that are doing something extraordinary, whether it's good or bad. But that's, that's what's making the news. Not exactly. the regular people. And I understand. I've always been very, very interested in different cultures. It's something that just fascinates me, like... The gypsy culture, the Indian culture. I just, I've always like been interested in in different kind of things like that. And the one thing I see that's like very common in people that have very strong cultures is family. And I see that we have that here, and yeah. it's 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 fascinating that that's what's that's what everything everything here. It's such a strong part of our community is family life. Like there are, you don't have it as much in other communities that so many people are stay at home mothers. I think it's like. A very strong, a very big group. I'm not one, so we're not talking about me, but there's a very big group of women here that are happy to stay home and take care of their children. And you're saying they're doing this out of choice, that they, they want to be that, that role, that figure for, for their house, for their children. You know, there are uh, a lot of days that I wish to... I can do it, and there are a lot of days when I say I'm so happy I work. <laughs> No, so I, what I think is interesting about the juggling mother work, you know, balance that, like, I think every woman has that, you know, they get pulled in both directions. I mean, in right. like, other, yeah, that's a universal thing, I guess. Yeah, a hundred percent. No, but I'm saying like, so just to clarify the women in your community, like are allowed to work. They could work if they wanted to, but many yes, of them are choosing. That's a very big misconception that they're, for, they're like tied to their kitchen table and pregnant and barefoot. No, time. so yes, look, this is, I, I've mentioned this before. I've spoken to a reporter at a major, uh, you know, um, media outlet who would not believe me when I told her how many Orthodox women work. So look, look I think I think that we should support people living self-actualized lives and for women that um, are choosing to stay home with their kids and, you know, be that, you know, kind of, uh, if, if they feel like they can do it, I, I have all the respect for them. I, I try right, to do a little too. bit of both. But You know, um, it's very interesting because actually when I was on the way home from our June the City party in L.A., I sat near someone on the airplane um, and we were talking, and he, he saw right away that I was an Orthodox Jew, and he was familiar with the Orthodox community. But he asked me um, where I was coming, and I told him a little bit about Jew in the City, actually, and we were talking, he, and I said, you know, my, I'm, I'm a, an event planner, and we were talking, and he said, I didn't know that Jewish women, that Orthodox women, he was Jewish, um, I didn't know that Orthodox women were allowed to have businesses and careers. And I was so taken aback by that, because I didn't realize that it was something that people really didn't know. Um, I think that it's funny that it's like that, actually. I think it's a funny misconception because we changed, we, we from women and, and Hasidish women, went into the work for, workforce the same time as everybody else. Uh-huh. Um, my mother people, stayed home. Right. Most of the girls that I went to school with, their mothers were home, their, their grandmothers were home, but that was a regular 50s and 80s right. housewife. That wasn't right. so weird. 
And then with the times, as slowly, like my younger sister, the mother, like she, the youngest, she was the youngest in our family, like the mothers in, of her classmates that were, that those, the, the younger mothers, meaning their daughters were the oldest in their families, yeah. they were working. My right. mother never ended up going to work because my mother is a college. I mean, she went to college. She could have worked. She never. She wanted to stay home and take care of her children. So that was I. what people in her generation were raised to do everywhere, not just in Brooklyn and not just in Orthodox and Hasidic communities. Can I tell you? I'm so happy that you are, um, you know, mentioning this um, anecdote because sometimes one of the challenges that we have here in Jew in the City is even convincing Orthodox Jews about the misconceptions about them that exist out in the larger world. And they, I've gotten such angry comments before. No one believes this in 2013 and 2014. How could you be saying this? What's wrong with you? So I appreciate uh, your, uh, you know, fellow plane passenger oh, definitely for mentioning that. No, because it lets us know kind of the, the things that we need to clarify. Um, we're coming towards the end of the, the uh, interview. I want to ask one, uh, two, more, two more topics quickly if we can do mm-hmm. it. Um, we've seen a lot about Hasidish men not sitting on planes next to women, delaying the planes. Um, what are your thoughts as a Hasidish woman on the subject? Okay, so um, I, I think my opinion differs from yours <laughs> in the fact that I think it's perfectly fine if it's done in a respectful and I agree. polite way to ask someone if they can switch. But if you're told no and you can't, then you work with it. That's it. You, you, you can't hold up a flight. You can't be disrespectful. You cannot make a kid, oh, Hashem. And you just have to deal with it. If you want to try, my, my opinion is that you can ask politely. Um, but if you're told no, it's too bad. Right. No. And I, I think I, part I, of the problem is is that there's, they get so caught up. I don't think anyone means to be bad. That, that's for sure. That's the way I see it. I think that they get so caught up in this idea that they shouldn't be sitting near women, and it's pure, it's 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 something that comes from a very pure place. And they they were raised that that they they you know their family are the only women that they should be associating with. So I don't think it's coming from a bad place, but I think sometimes they just don't. They, they're they're so caught up in the idea that they have to figure this out that they don't ask nicely or they don't ask. They'll just be like, um, I can't sit here. I can't sit here. And that's not right. You can't do that. You can't, you know, I, I've, I, I don't know how fast someone just told me, a Hasidish woman told me that she was sitting on the, she had a seat and an empty seat near her. And she was on the plane with a baby from Israel, 12 hour flight. And some guy, Hasidish guy asked if she could switch seats. And she says, does, she asked the guy, does, does it make sense? I have an empty seat and I have a baby. Why would I give you my, why would I give you my seat? Like, it doesn't right. make sense. Yeah. So, so the, the, the nice thing that um, is actually my father's idea, he said, if you want to switch seats, you have to figure out a way to give the person an upgrade. Meaning, if you have an aisle seat, ask someone with a, a, a window or middle seat to switch with you. Yeah. Do it in a way that... Do it, or just be really respectful. I just like that idea because I feel like that way you're not you're saying I'm willing to sacrifice because this is so important to me. But I don't want you to feel like you have to set like you have to give up your seat for me because right. it's important. I to like me. that. No, look, I I think um, this is how it's supposed to be. Um, you know, I took a picture when I was leaving Australia of a Hasidic man sitting next to 
a woman, just a random woman. Um, I posted on Facebook and I said, like, too bad. This is never reported. Just the people that just like, you know, don't make a commotion. And a bunch of people agreed. A few people got angry at me. What do you expect the media to report on nothing? But like, you know, the stories of people that, you know, are decent and have, you know, um, the, the right attitude don't make news. So it's just I think it's important. People say, what's the importance of sort of saying something that's so obvious but like people need to hear that this is how you know Hasidic people are thinking and right. unfortunately I don't think the it's ones... a tremendous percentage of people I think that the story that was on the news was the same story reported over and over and over and it seems to me like the, the person that the story happened to just ticked off like really the wrong person that's what it seemed like to me and that person took it very very personally and ran with it that that could be what happened. Um, I don't know. I wasn't on the airplane. I was actually never on a flight that got held up by somebody because of that. And I, I know it even never asked me to switch seats because of that. So I can't I can't say that. I if someone is actually making a call or something like that, yeah, that's wrong. But so let let's leave on a high now because yeah. we always like to go on a high. <laughs> what are some things that other communities can learn from the Hasidic community? What are you guys doing better? Because I think all of every community has its strengths and its weaknesses. So what are you, what are the best things about the? Well, Hasidic I think community? the most common and best. I mean, I think everyone answers this, but I'll say it anyway. Is Hasid the Hasid in in our community is unbelievable. There is someone if you need help with anything, there is some sort of organization that will help you. I mean, when I had I had three kids. I have three kids, and they were all born in Brooklyn in Maimonides Hospital. And what I had, I was over with two of them. I was there over Shabbos. It happens to be that my mother packed me food, and my husband went and came and brought it on Shabbos. And it wasn't like I didn't have food, but I could have had full gourmet Shabbos meals. Three or four. Like, of you them. didn't there need to because you're just giving you, out food and asking if you need anything, and right. do you want me to get your baby from the nursery? That's just simple. That's not even hard, Chazad. People do like. Incredible things like Haverim that you mentioned before, and and there, there's so much Chassid here. And no, people just rally together. I was, together every all the time, time I meet someone Hasidic, I, I text um, Khani. <laughs> so I met someone on my plane who was <laughs> Hasidic. True. I was like, oh, you live in Brooklyn? Like my friend Khani, you know you're Hasidic, you know her too. So they were actually just getting back from like helping someone. Like I was like, what were you doing in Florida? And they, they were just there for the weekend because like they were, so they were, you know, traveling to help. Khani, we are out of time, but um, I just wanted to give your business, Buzz Events Design, another plug. She's fabulous. If you look at the pictures of our All Stars events for the last couple of years, I mean, she turned this space into something so magical and so cool. Cool. I never grew up believing that a Hasidic woman could make a space to look so cool. Oh, so just goes to show you some of my stereotypes. <laughs> we can but do everything. No, for sure. no. So and, um, and, and, and we're, we're like not elbow deep, but like fingertip deep into the next year's All Star event. So exactly. nominate your All Stars. Yeah. So uh, we're looking forward to doing exciting things up ahead. And thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Thanks.